Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire women. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Hi, welcome to Sky Women Podcast. I'm so happy to have my good friend, Tammy, today, who is a social worker. She has a master's in social work from UTA and is working on her doctorate from Tulane. Tammy has had an interesting career, and I'm just so happy to know her and her new venture and share her story with you guys today. Welcome, Tammy. Hi, welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. So... I want to talk a little bit about your career because it's always interesting to hear what different women are doing and how they're kind of managing mom life. So Tammy, you're mom to four, Raylan, who's 22, and then we kind of work our way down, your youngest is seven, correct? Yes. <laughs> okay. And you've worked in, tell me first about just what does it take to be a social worker? Oh, goodness. Well, um, social work is so many different fields. So I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in social work, and I've done everything from hospital social work to working with kids, child abuse, to um, now I'm working in the court system with um, families who are getting divorced and custody. So um, it's a long process, and I'm working on my PhD, hopefully kind of doing some more research into the field and um, my writing career for some articles, maybe eventually some publications, let's hope. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, and you kind of pivoted over time, because initially you were in the hospital system, right? And that's a totally different ball game than what you're doing now, where you've really kind of created your own business and have your own practice now. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, so I worked in the hospital, um, and actually that's when I was in the hospital, I believe, when you and I first met, and um, I quit working full-time uh, when I had my first, um, well, my son, who was 12, I decided to be a stay-at-home mom, and then kind of got pulled in because some of the courts here uh, heard that I was a social worker and needed some help with some adoptions, and that's how I got pulled in, and then eventually now I'm doing stuff with custody and um, all kinds of stuff with family law. But um, it was a big transition, a lot, a big learning curve, um, but I have had great help from my friends in um, Dallas and nationally who kind of helped teach me this field. And so now um, I have like a, a business and office and staff and other areas where I get to help the court. So it's kind of progressed into a really big full-time, probably more than full-time business. Right. So I and what you do is so fascinating. So when people are going through custody or adoptions or things like that, you are the person who goes into the homes and does the studies and then testifies in the court, right? Yeah. So, well, one part of it's adoption. So adoptions are, adoptions are really just some of my favorite. That's where my heart is. So I'm, I love helping people adopt and I do private adoptions. I've contracted with agencies. I've contracted with agencies to help people become licensed foster parents. Um, I've helped friends and just family um, do private adoptions. And then that turned into custody where when parents get divorced and they can't come up with a custody plan on their own or they end up in court having to deal with issues trying their kids, now I kind of get involved with the, them. And yes, unfortunately, sometimes I have to testify 
um, in court over maybe recommendations for custody, which kind of leads to a lot of emotions, a lot of hard feelings. But even, even better, what I love is I get to work with families on the other side of helping them come to agreement. So I get to do family mediations. Um, one thing, it's called parenting facilitation, where I work with parents on learning how to communicate. So even when you hate each other, you learn how to work together after you're divorced. Which is so important. Um, Oh, yes. We all know it's very hard sometimes when you have bad feelings against someone after divorce to work with them and raise kids together. Um, and I do supervised visits. And then a lot of times I just get hired by attorneys to testify about research. You know, what do we do when a baby's one? What do we do with, you know, nursing moms and they're divorced and baby has to go to dad's? You know, how do you work all that out? So I get to come right. up with ideas to share custody from kids ages newborn all the way to teenagers who have busy schedules. To, you know, another uh, interesting thing is when families live really far apart. So we have families that live states away from each other. How do you share custody and stay in the lives of your children that way? So yeah. I get to help create all that stuff. It's really interesting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And so how many staff do you have right now that you're managing? Well, I just, I have one assistant. Um, I've been on and off training about six different people to work in the field. So training people is a lot. Oh, and then I have two staff that do help me with supervised visits. So that's kind of where I am right now. So is there some sort of residency or on-job training um, for social workers? Not, well, yes, when you do your social work degree, you know, you have to do, we call them practicums. It's kind of like a residency program, like mm -hmm. what doctors would do, where you have to go in and do a certain number of hours in different settings. Um, so I did those, and mostly I did those in the hospital. Um, but when it comes to custody stuff, it's really, um, there's really a, not a lot of training out there. So a lot of the training we have to do is on our own and with individuals that already work in the field. It's kind of a tough field and not many social workers do it to be honest with you at least in Texas mostly it's psychologists that do what I do oh really okay mm -hmm. and yeah. so is there CME like continuing medical education or not medical but is there continuing education yeah. that you have to do every year yes so there are training requirements you have to work with someone who is um, basically trained to do custody evaluations so I had to find someone, my, my training was in Dallas with someone, but then um, we do, there's big conferences on child custody and family law matters. So I have to attend a lot of those for learning stuff. Right, right. Okay, so, and I'm so proud of what you've done and how you're serving the community is so awesome. And your trajectory in your career, I mean, you have shifted according to mom life and the needs of you and your kids. And so just walk me through that a little bit, because you know that mom life balance that we're all seeking is just hard. <laughs> like, how do you use your brain? How do you feel some autonomy, but still love and care for these little beings who need so much when they're so young? Well, that's a good question. I can't tell you I'm always successful at that. <laughs> so it's funny because I was a stay-at-home mom for years. Um, I really wanted to be that for my kids and I don't, I don't regret it at all. It was a great time to connect and bond, but I will tell you that it was, um, probably the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Um, my job right now, even though it's stressful in court and a very difficult job, there is nothing compared to being a stay at home mom and how hard it is. Um, it's the job. I always tell people being a stay at home mom is the job that's never finished. You don't go right. to bed 
with your desk cleaned and your checklist done. Even if your house is clean and laundry's done, it just gets worse. <clears throat> Sorry. It just gets worse later the next day. And so I never, I never experienced that sense of satisfaction uh, as much uh, when I was at home mom. And I think a lot of it is so long-term looking back on how your children grow up and do that in the moment is really hard. And so I just kind of started feeling like I needed something else. I needed an outlet for myself and use my education and my brain a different way. And yeah. uh, so that slowly progressed. Um, I think when my youngest was probably about two, I ventured into the daycare world. Not, uh, not ever what I thought I was going to do, but there, you know, I had someone tell me one time, this is the best advice uh, a friend gave me one time. She said, when you're at home working from home with your kids, because I was working from home at that point, everyone always said, oh, you're so great. You get to work from home with your kids. And I said, I spend most of my day yelling at them saying, mommy needs to work. Mommy needs to work. Stop. And I would get so irritated because they were bothering me all day that a friend said, well, if you're yelling at them, telling them mommy needs to work, how is that quality time? Maybe wouldn't it be better if they went somewhere, you got your work done, and then your quality time was in the afternoon and the evening. And I thought, wow, that's so true. And so that was kind of, I made the decision that they were in Mother's Day out and I moved it to full-time daycare. And you know, as much as I had some mommy guilt, we all have, uh, I really thought it was so much better. They had a fun outlet and I was able to deal with my job during the day and that stress that I felt and that tension between um, every time a kid cries or interrupts a meeting or I can't get my work done, all of that for the most part was alleviated and my quality time was in the evenings where I wasn't working and I knew I had gotten something done that day. <laughs> Right. You felt accomplished. They had had a fun day and you get to really devote your time and be present. Yeah. 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 So it was, so, you know, I feel bad for those moms out there. It is so wonderful when you get to work from home. I'm not saying it's not, but that's a really hard job. It, I can't, it, I can't, it's so hard to actually get your work done and all your mommy duties and love and pay attention to your kids when they're needy. It's just a, oof, it's a tough balance. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, totally. I mean, it's like, I know you experience it when you're just trying to take a phone call and right. kids hanging on you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't focus on what you're trying to say and you can't hear and they're whining. So anyway, it was yeah. a great, it was a good transition for me. All my kids are in school now, which was a huge blessing when I knew I could not feel as guilty and drop them off at school and I get to work during the day, but it's so busy. It's so hard still. So it's a never ending balance. Uh, yes. 100%. I think all women <laughs> experience this. The busy just changes. It's not so much the physical labor of, you know, nursing them and feeding them and wiping high knees and changing diapers and all of that. You know, now it's more, you know, of the busy work of as they develop their own identity, right? Their own social right. outlets. Yeah. And they're all, it's emotionally draining now with my kids. They're, you're, you're in a stage with younger kids where you feel like you're running around so much and bedtime's routine and every routine is so much drama. So now. much drama. They save it all for their mama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so much physical work too. But now like my kids are old enough, all of them, I say, go take a shower. Oh, that's the best feeling in the world. Right. Can right. Tell my kids shower. I don't have to bathe them. Right. But they're not, but the arguments and the fights and the fact that I'm a constant referee in the evenings. You right. know, I come home from a day that's productive, a great day at work, and then they fall apart and we have arguments. And sometimes what people always say, 
oh, enjoy the time, have quality dinners. It is not always feel like it's enjoyable and it's not always quality time. <laughs> it's not always, no. There's yes. some days so. where I'm just like, why can't dinner just be fun? <laughs> like everybody's crying. I've been up and down from the table 15 times, you know? Right. Or why can't y'all just like what I cooked? Why does some of you have to complain that it's disgusting? <laughs> I actually spend time working on it. <laughs> oh, I, I feel like I wanted to slap the little grandmas who always said to me, oh, enjoy it. It's so fun. You're going to miss it when they're grown. And I'm like, no. I don't think I'm going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I sure know. I will. I know. But I wanted to throat was... punch a couple of people. Like, you know, or you have your hands full. Like, unless you're going to help, shut it. <laughs> Why do you need to point that out when my kids are screaming in the grocery store? Oh, it looks like you have your hands full. That's not really helpful. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's I been agree. A fun trend. Yes. Well, so... It has, you know, this is one of the reasons that I love you and wanted to have you on because I think that you're, what the work that you're doing is so important. Um, and whenever I moved to small town Texas as a new baby doctor, as a first year attending, um, I was invited to a baby shower um, of a mutual friend who honestly, I, I mean, you were good friends with her, but I didn't even really know her well and who she was. And just one of the other doctors said, Hey, you've got to come to this baby shower. A lot of women there are going to be your age. You need to make friends. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this like, is where okay. I met you. And you looked me up and down and were like, Oh honey, you will get acquainted with Amazon. <laughs> is that what I said? Yes. Yeah, because you grew up in Dallas. And so you, yeah. knew, like I was a self-proclaimed city girl, but I had grown up in the country. <laughs> Just that life of being able to run to the store and buy what you need. That doesn't happen here. Right. No, but we could just connect it really easy. Um, and, you know, it's just been fun getting to know you over the years and um, keeping our sanity in small town America, right? The big thing, we would meet up at the tea room in the middle of the day for lunch anytime we yes. could. I remember the first time we actually hung out, um, you invited me over for dinner and you wanted to cook for me, which was um, a little unusual. Um, and I told you later that I was nervous. I thought you were hitting on me um, because you, <laughs> you made like appetizers and you dressed nice and you cooked this really fancy meal. And <laughs> at first I was like, oh no, what did I do? Did I make I think I was interested? But the thing was, now that I know you, I realized you just wanted to care for someone. Like you wanted a reason to cook a yummy meal because you were living by yourself and you were single. Yeah. And it was fun to get to cook and you had a new house and all that stuff. But um, I did laugh because that moment at your house, I thought maybe I had given you the wrong impression. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know. I That's hilarious. I think, I think I remember you saying that at the end of dinner, like I actually kind of thought you were hitting on me. I'm kind of glad to hear that you're dating. Someone. <laughs> yeah. So it was so, but it was so sweet because you made such a yummy meal and we sat and we just chatted and we connected. Yeah. And I think connected us too is that we can like totally say what's real on our minds and it wasn't fake. Right. Um, I love being a mommy and I love my job and life. You know, we just were real and we laughed about like really funny life circumstances. And that's how we's all, we've always been. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we've, you know, supported each other along the way and been able to really, you know, hash out and vent over all the mom life stuff because it's not always easy. Yes. Um, we've been to some interesting things, haven't we? <laughs> yes, completely. So I know that I've helped you through many of your pregnancies. And I remember whenever I remember we were having lunch one day and you said, so can I see you as my OB? And I was like, so really, it's a better idea for you to see somebody else because <laughs> we're close friends and, you know, emotions get involved and I want to make sure you're taking the best care of. But so you asked me who to use as your OB-GYN. I recommended somebody, but I was still like your friend who was an OB-GYN. So I was your backup all the time. <laughs> like You came to my office multiple times. <laughs> you asked me yeah. questions. I think with one, I sent you to the hospital for preterm labor because I saw you you know, for a yeah. hot minute at the office one night when you were contracting. I think you actually did one of my sonograms that we did for fun. And it was only to be able to tell my husband the gender. Didn't you That's do that? Right. One? Yes. And Cole, your oldest, well, Cole was with you and he asked a million questions. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted, I wanted to surprise my husband because he couldn't come to my other sonogram. And so I did a surprise and I took a present to the hospital where he was working and I'm pretty sure at one point you gave me a shot in my rear um, for an antibiotic at some point. I called you desperate. I think we've had some interesting um, right. complaints. Yeah. Yeah. I always call and say, is this a weird question? That's what I usually start off with. And then you laugh and say, nope, that's normal. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and so fast forward and I'm getting married and you planned a wedding shower for me. And I remember having a conversation because you were helping to organize like everyone buying me some lingerie. And you were like, this better be a friendship for life because you've checked my service and now I'm buying you lingerie. <laughs> it did. I think it solidified when you helped deliver too. So it must have been Owen because he was the one that was high risk. And then he got shipped. Yes. Yeah. And then he got shipped. To Dallas, so, right. So how special, it was a special moment because even though um, I loved my OB, she was out of town. So the backup call was my okay. friend. <laughs> and, um, and because it was during the day and we were a little nervous about how I was going to do, my other friend, who is my pediatrician, was there during. So two of my friends stood in there and witnessed and participated in my delivery. And I jokingly said, Well, now that you've seen parts of me that I've never seen, I'm pretty sure we'll always be friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. And I don't ever know. I want to know what you saw, but it all went great. <laughs> but you know, like, it's just part of my job. I don't remember what I saw, you know, <laughs> like, I helped deliver a baby. That's all that matters. That's right. I've seen a million since then. <laughs> it's only, you only remember the really good, memorable ones. Maybe I didn't fall in that category. <laughs> Count it as a blessing. <laughs> yeah. So I think that connected us and then we had all kinds of just other crazy things that happened um, that where you got to help me and I got to help you, right? Yeah, we will talk more about that for sure. Yeah. So over the years with my oldest having custody issues, you know, you have definitely advised me and helped support me and directed me and, um, you know, it's just, it's just awesome when you have a friend who can be a good sounding board and just ha you having the knowledge of what the general 
climate is in terms of, of custody and mediation and with the attorneys, et cetera, you know, it just, um, just a wealth of knowledge, you know, and offered a lot of support and encouragement. Well, and sometimes the support part is really what you needed. You knew what you knew a lot of times what was best for you and your family and what you needed to do, but it's so hard uh, dealing with custody issues and sharing a child that you're not able to really dictate or be around all the time. And it was stressful. So yeah, I think the sharing is the hardest part of divorce. I mean, obviously, you know, there's sadness and hurt feelings and, you know, mourning the loss of what it was. Um, but the sharing of your child and, you know, really trying to put your child first and let the emotions, your emotions, you know, be on the back burner in regards to that. Um, are really well, what, what people real, what people don't realize is you get divorced. So you get to say goodbye to that person out of your life is what you anticipate. Hey, I'm divorcing them. So our marriage and our relationship is over. But unfortunately when you have children, your relationship with them is really never over. Um, I mean, maybe to an extent when they're adults, but even then they're still, you still share a child and it's really hard when you have when you go through a rough divorce, isn't it? Yes. You live far from your child. So I know that you've experienced all of those stressors. Yes. And we will talk more about that on our next episode. So everybody stay tuned for that. Um, so I want to talk about um, whenever I first heard your testimony. So you were giving a talk um, for the local community and you just said, hey, I want you to come to this. And I didn't have a clue, but I'm your friend and I love you no matter what. And so I'm there and you give this amazing um, <laughs> testimony, this story about your life that a lot of other women may have found themselves in as well. And whenever we're open about these things, it just empowers women. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I remember that night sitting there hearing your story and I think you were nervous about (laughs) having the conversation. I think you were nervous about how others were, would perceive you. And I was just standing there in awe, so proud of you sharing your story. And so if you don't mind, just share what you would like of your story. Oh yeah. Well, it was, um, so for those who don't know me or listening, you know, I grew up in the Dallas area and it's so easy in the big city to just fall into the middle and people don't know you and they don't know your story and it's okay. You can hide. It was really easy for me to hide. Um, so then I moved to this small town and it's much more difficult because once someone starts to know more about your past, everyone will know. And so I had always, um, kept that part just really secret and it wasn't so much, that it was, I was shameful of it, even though I, that's part of it, was just embarrassed and I um, kept my life hidden. So I just one day made a comment to somebody I had met and said, Hey, one day I feel like my story is going to get needs to get out there. And this was year, gosh, this was years ago, which is funny how where things are now in my life. Um, but, but I, um, I shared a story with a bunch of people that I didn't really even know well about my childhood that started off with, you know, I was a victim of sexual abuse and that was from a family member, which was even more difficult because it was kind of pushed under the rug years and years ago. No one ever did anything. No one ever, you know, it's not like today where someone says this is wrong and um, somebody comes in to intervene or there's a, you know, police involvement. It was just kind of shoved under the rug. So that started a some serious problems with me. And, you know, 
what girls, you know, aren't always told um, is that sometimes one of the um, issues with victims of sexual abuse is they actually kind of start to um, act out sexually. So that was where my high school years came to this wild me who I grew up in a very Christian strict home. So of course my behavior was um, completely inappropriate in my family. And um, I had a teenage pregnancy as a result of that. And, um, you know, I'm thankful to my parents because um, it was a really hard choice in what to do, but my upbringing and my parents, you know, it always taught me about how precious life was. Um, I never really considered abortion, although believe me, everything in me wanted to hide what had happened. And my parents basically said, we can't do anything to help you. My parents um, didn't have the means, the time, the income or anything to help me raise a child. So it kind of left me with a difficult choice, one that I am so thankful for now. So I placed my child for adoption. And um, we had a great experience. I got to pick his adoptive parents and um, it was definitely uh, emotionally um, traumatizing. I don't know that I dealt with all of it, kind of just went back to school my senior year and didn't really talk about it too much. Just moved on with life. Don't feel like there was a lot of maybe healing. Um, just, hey, this is what happened and this is what I did and it's over. Um, and then, and this is the part where I always struggled with the next part of my story was, is that um, when I was in college, I um, dated a guy and this guy was, is probably better relationship. So I could say that this wasn't, um, it was someone I, you know, liked and normal, like normal college kids was involved sexually. And unfortunately I got pregnant again in my college years. So the joke is, you know, I, I'm like the opposite of the people with the fertility issues. I don't know how I got pregnant so easily, but um, I did. And it was crazy. And my OB at the time when I was in, uh, young said, um, you might want to watch out if like a man, a man throws his underwear at you because you could probably get pregnant from that. Um, the circumstances when I'd explained the two times I got pregnant were just kind of rare, you know, and I remember telling, you know, I had tried to use protection and neither time just those situations, it didn't work for me. And so I basically need to pause you for just a second. This is a vital piece of the story because I just want to clarify that you can't get pregnant by underwear being thrown at you. <laughs> there actually has to be an exchange of semen <laughs> that has to meet up with the egg. Okay. So when you say you tried using protection, it didn't work for you. A condom was put on. So um, the first time I got pregnant, um, the um, the guy with we did the withdrawal method, which I know okay. is not, um, not does not work, obviously. <laughs> um, but as a teenager, I I didn't know about teenage pregnancy, so I was really scared. So we didn't use any protection. Um, but um, I asked him to, to pull out and we, I thought that I would be safe from that, but learned quickly that I was not. The second time I was pregnant, um, got pregnant, which was really, really odd was, and this is why I remember it so vividly, is I was nervous to have sex with him because I had was on like the last day of my period and I was worried that there would be you know, blood or something and how embarrassing that would be. Um, and then, um, so we started, this is probably so TMI, but I guess 
since you're an OB, this is great information for people. <laughs> but we started to have sex and then I stopped him and had him put on a condom. So we did have unprotected sex for a short period of time, but it was not to completion. And then we used a condom. And you know what's interesting is that was the only time we'd ever had sex before. So it couldn't have been, um, we'd, you know, messed around and done other things. But I got pregnant from that time, I know for sure, because I was throwing up two weeks later um, and we had not seen each other since then. So what's really weird about it is that I had just finished my cycle. Um, and so you didn't think you were in that fertile window. Of course I didn't think that I thought I would thought I actually was, I thought I was still kind of on my period. So it was like the light last day or two. Um, so when I got sick and went to the doctor by myself, this is, you know, I was in college. I didn't tell my parents, you know, he was like, well, we'll do a pregnancy test, but doesn't sound like it's likely maybe something else is going on. So, um, that was where I had the whole um, introduction of my OB-GYN telling me, well, there's this thing called pre-cum. <laughs> so he said, not only were you not in your fertile, technically in your fertile window, um, but what probably happened is that he probably had some pre-cum before you used your condom. And I got pregnant off that. Isn't that crazy? So um, all I can say is that I must be really fertile or just maybe it's that God had a plan for the life of that child. I mean, I don't know. Or I'm the most unlucky person you can ever imagine. So I don't know which one you want to say. <laughs> it was bizarre. Um, I have no idea how I got pregnant, but I did. So a lesson for our young listeners is to always use protection. <laughs> the condom goes on before the penis goes in. If you're having that kind of, if you're having penetration sex, the condom goes on before the penis goes in. Yeah, use my experience. <laughs> Learn. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Okay, so go back to your story. So, oh, you, so you're in. And, you're so, having the second baby. Yeah, so I'm pregnant with a second. I'm in college. Um, I'm probably more able to take care of the baby, and I really thought that I was going to be a mom. And but you know, I just had this feeling in the back of my mind that I didn't know if I was ready. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I hadn't finished college, and I was scared to death to screw up the life of a child. And I don't know why I felt so scared. So um, later in the pregnancy, it was much later. I asked. I called the social worker who did my first adoption and said, "Hey." would you be willing to call the family that adopted my son? Cause we did somewhat, you know, semi-closed adoption. We didn't have contact, direct contact with each other and see if they've adopted again or if they're wanting to adopt again, or just kind of feel it out that situation. And so ended up, we connected and I decided that what I wanted more than anything was them to be together. So brother and sister to be together. Um, didn't feel like I was ready to be a mom and um, it's sad. It was hard. And to the, all those young young ladies out there. I mean, I could have done it and I know that I would have been a good mom and I know I could have made it. Um, but I just, my, my reason for it was I wanted them to have a better life than I had. And I knew I couldn't provide what I really wanted to provide my kids at that time. So I placed a second baby for adoption, which is the crazy part of my story. I think it's very rare to have a woman place two children for adoption. So it's a very, that's probably where my story is the hardest part to tell is it's kind of one of those circumstances where people want to say, so you didn't learn the first time. <laughs> oh, who needs um, the judgment, right? Who needs the judgment? Right. It's okay. But listen, I'll say this. I got a lot of judgment for it and I have, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's been a lot of behind the scenes comments about me, but the truth is, is that 
if we look at all of our life choices, so many of us don't learn life lessons the first time anyway, no matter what it is, whether it's, I mean, there's so many things that we do, even just like crazy little things that we learn. And then we say, okay, I'm never going to do that again. And then we do it again. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's my story. So um, I moved on and I, I told that story um, and then I had you know, met someone. I got married and got my degree and got to choose to have a family in the most emotional days of my life where the fact that I like to leave the hospital with my babies. I remember crying and thinking, wow, I've already had two, but I've never left the hospital with one. Wow. Yes. What an so, emotional day. It was. And so the two children I had um, place for adoption was a, a boy and a girl. They were born three years apart from each other. And what's so crazy is my, so my son now, my 12 year old is a boy. And then three years later I had a girl. And so it was like this crazy, like, um, I got to have the kids and take them home that I never had and raise them. So fast forward, when I gave you that story, I just said, you know, I just talked about my adopted kids. I mean, I, I keep up their parents, send me updates and pictures, but I never, have had contact, right? Right. And then I contacted you a couple years ago and said, oh my gosh, my son graduated high school. And I reached out, I sent him a graduation gift and a card, which his parents were fully supportive of. Right. And then he, they, he asked for my information after he went to college and he wrote me a letter. And then we started communicating via letter. And then we met. Um, so two, yeah, two years ago, he and I drove um, and met somewhere alone, got to know each other and communicated phone. It was amazing. Um, we just, God, it was, I don't even know how to explain how it was. We had this instant connection. We talked for hours and hours and it was awesome because I hugged him. We say goodbye because we had to go. I mean, it, like the day was like over and we kept right. spending hours together. We hugged and I thought, okay, here I am walking away again. Like I'm saying goodbye again, which is always a hard thing to do. So we started walking away from each other in different directions. And then he stopped and said, Hey, and I turned back around and he said, I don't want this to be goodbye. And, um, oh, oh. And me again. And so I know it was awesome. He's, it was, he's such a great kid. Like we just talked forever. I mean, I'm talkative, but we connected and then his sister was still in high school. So she wasn't ready. There was no pressure. And I never, ever pressured the adoptive parents. I never wanted them to feel like I would take over. I never wanted them to think that I wanted to push my way in. I'm very respectful of their family. And just so you guys know, I always call them their kids. Um, right. They're my birth kids, but I call the mom and dad, mom and dad, because they're right. Dad. And I never wanted to um, cause problems for their family, which is crazy because now I'm a you know adoption social worker and I see how important that is. But back then I didn't even know that. I just did it. Right. Um, so then my daughter reached out um, when she graduated and she wanted to meet. So I met both of them together and we have been in contact. We've been on vacations together. We went um, to Florida this summer and we're getting together for Christmas. We FaceTime, we talk, we laugh. They got to meet their biological si siblings last year. So they, that was a big deal was they realized, hey, they have like three half siblings. Right. Um, and uh, so they came to my house in my, and met the kids. And wow. then we, and we went on vacation with their parents. So it was like a whole family thing. And so their mother and father now like consider themselves part of our family. And it's funny because wow. like every one of my kids birthday, they get a letter from, you know, aunt Kathy and uncle David, who are the adoptive parents. Cause they all want to, we all are family now. Wow. Is that crazy? It's just a beautiful full circle. You know, what, what an, a tremendous closure 
um, for you and just a new, a new life, a new beginning, right? Because now everybody gets to enjoy the love and the fruits of, you know, what you did was really a selfless act. You know, you were young, there was fear involved, but you ultimately wanted to provide the best for those kids. And as hard as it was for you, you did it. I mean, you put them in the same place together you see that they've grown up to be these tremendous kids and now you oh, get to enjoy kids. them. And it's, that's so amazing. It's so okay. fun. And let's not leave out, um, really, cause Chris has a kid as oh, well. Yeah. So, so I married, I got to be a stepmom. So I am, I had, we blended family immediately. So I got to go through that too. Right. <laughs> So totally, you've got the two kids who were adopted, and you marry Chris, and you're immediately a stepmom, and now mm-hmm. y'all have three kids together. So it is a full Brady Bunch going on. <laughs> right, right. It's really funny. We have um, so my adoptive daughter um was on Instagram, and she posted a picture. So we all went to the beach together. So it was you know me and Chris's three kids, Raylan, my stepdaughter, who I call my own. So she's yeah. twenty two. And then my two adoptive kids and then their mother and me. So it was the dads didn't come, but it was just us. We took a picture and she posted on Instagram and she goes, don't ask. It's really complicated, but I love my family. (laughs) So it's just really funny. Um, It's a crazy story, but like, um, you know, it, and I, I will say this for anyone who's listening, adoption is not for everyone. And, you know, just because you're a single mom doesn't mean you can't do it. I know so many great, wonderful single moms who do it and teenagers who do it. It's just, I will say that my heart for families who go through infertility and who desperately want to adopt, um, my heart is so big for them now because I can't imagine what it would be like to not be able to have a baby. Right. And what a gift I could give someone because I was in a situation where I could have done it, but they were ready and they like, they just loved these kids so much and took them to them. So it was a beautiful story. And it, it, when the situation's right, it is so adoption is the most beautiful gift ever. So absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story because it is very personal and it can feel very raw. And, you know, in, in our society, a lot of times there is shame put on women, but the whole purpose of sky women is to really inspire others and to share real, real stories. And, um, it's, I, I find it to be a very um, encouraging and empowering story. So I want you to share with us kind of your biggest takeaway or lesson that you want to impart to others or a young woman who's listening. Well, I guess what I will say is there isn't a right answer for anyone's life. And that's what I tell people all the time, whether it's adoption or fertility or blended families, there's just everyone's life. It doesn't fit into a perfect box. You got to go with what your heart tells you. And I encourage people to parent young teenagers to parent. I encourage young teenagers to think about what they want to decide with their body But, um, you know, for me, uh, we don't judge each other. So that's one thing I'm so big on because I don't want anyone to judge me. My story is really judgy (laughs) and it's easy to judge me. Um, It makes me look like a horrible person that I did, you know, was so stupid to get pregnant twice. But um, the beautiful story, it came around, like what I did and how all the ugliness turned into a beautiful story. And so what I tell people is don't judge, um, listen to people's heart and go with what you think is best. And 
I'm a huge supporter of adoption. Um, I know, I, I promise you, I know with all my heart, that throwing a child in your belly and being pregnant for nine months, knowing that you're not going to keep is probably the most difficult. I can't, I could never ask someone to do that ever for me, but the gift of what I gave them is what healed me. It's what healed my heart, um, that I was able to do something for someone else and look how great these kids turned out. So, yeah. um, I guess that's probably my biggest story is that so much healing comes out of so much pain sometimes. So true. Wise words, <laughs> friend. Oh my goodness. Thank and you. Use so condoms. <laughs> and use condoms. <laughs> prevents STDs and prevents pregnancy. Yes. But only if used in perfect, you know, according to the recommendations. So it's got to go on before. <laughs> yes. So oh, thank you. Yes. And then the other, the other half of that is because I do custody and divorce is remember if you do get pregnant, whoever that crazy person is that you thought you'd have a really fun night with, you might be connected to them for the rest of your life. So that should scare you too. <laughs> right. So choose wisely and take care of yourself. <laughs> choose wisely. If you're not on the birth control or you're ever in a situation where you could get pregnant, just remember there's way more that could happen in those 18 years after raise that child than you could ever dream. True, <laughs> that you just don't think about in the moment. So learn from Tammy's story. Yeah, but for me, now, looking <laughs> back, I will tell you, that's why it was so great to choose adoption. I never had to co-parent. I never had to worry about these dads coming back. I mean, they willingly signed the rights away. So, I mean, it worked out beautifully. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It just takes um, a load of bravery, I know, to speak in a public setting about, you know, some of your, your secrets. And, um, but I think that it empowers other women and that's the whole purpose of Sky Women. So it's just been a pleasure having you and I look forward to chatting soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.